down in twos. <laughs> nah, we do. Baby, read. Do not believe, and this can be used as receipts later. You can use this against me, I guess, Lakers. I don't believe that the basketball people in this organization believe that this is a group that's actually going to work. I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Ball Street Journal podcast. We're continuing our off-season review of teams. Today, we're going to be talking about the 76ers, and uh, as a Philadelphia native and someone who's surrounded by a bunch of Sixers fans, I have the distinct pleasure of having Nikhil on the pod with me today. He's someone I work with, but is also someone who's been a Sixers fan all of his life growing up in South Jersey. He's been through the first AI, Allen Iverson years, the second AI, Andre Iguodala years, then the dark years where the Sixers kind of were irrelevant, and then the process years. So uh, welcome to the pod, Nikhil. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Sean. It's a great honor. Yeah, man. Uh, and uh, I really, really look forward to hearing from you. I think the last, um, I don't know, five or six years as a Sixers fan have been the biggest highs and the biggest lows. I mean, you guys went through the process years where, you know, I think it was probably hard being a Sixers fan because... You wanted to tank and you knew you were intentionally tanking. And this was such a new thing in the NBA, this like intentional tanking for high picks. But it kind of worked out. You guys got the top picks. What is what was it like living through the, you know, the uh, the process years when the team was struggling and then the process years once you saw like the gems that they got out of it? Yeah. So I think uh, every Sixers fan has a love hate relationship with the team. <laughs> Just considering what we've been through over the past 10 years. Uh, and actually, we're coming up on what I think is the 10th anniversary of the process years, which was essentially a time from 2013 to 2016, uh, when they, as you said, strategically tanked uh, to acquire as much draft capital as possible. The end result was that they eventually got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, uh, who started playing together for the first time in 2017 to 2018. But it was amazing. They had, from 2014 to 2017, uh, they had the third overall pick twice, and they had the first overall pick twice. Uh, so I wanted to give a, a quick recap of the past five years, and then we can uh, hopefully get into today. Yeah. So 2017 to 2018, that was really their first year uh, when they had Embiid and Simmons together. They ended their playoff drought, they got to the second round of the playoffs, and they lost to the Celtics. I remember the vibe that year. Simmons and Embiid were young and incredibly talented. Uh, and many people thought that all they needed was the right supporting cast and they could go really far in the playoffs. Uh, since then, they have made a ton of moves and actually have not gotten any farther than the second round playoffs. <laughs> it's a little bit sad, but uh, but we'll, we'll get into the, into the details. So the next year, 2018 to 2019, they probably had what was their most exciting season in recent years. Uh, they added Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, alongside J.J. Redick and Beaton Simmons uh, to create what I thought was their best starting five in a long time. That season ended in a heartbreak in a Game, game 7 loss to the Raptors. The double doink, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, heard around the world. Uh, in, in the second round, courtesy of the silent assassin, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, so then the year after that, 2019 to 2020, Jimmy Butler left went to the Heat, uh, packed his bags, went to South Beach. 
We got swept by the Celtics in the first round. And that was real, that was after a totally failed experiment with Al Horford alongside Joel Embiid. I don't know how, how anyone thought that would work, but uh, but we tried it. Year after, 2020-2021, uh, they were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And they got knocked out by the Hawks in a shocking fashion. That was when Simmons' weaknesses were, with shooting were really amplified on the big stage. Finally, this past year, we were dealing with the Simmons drama. Finally got him traded to, uh, to, for Harden to the Nets, uh, but we just didn't have enough firepower to compete with the Heat in the playoffs. So that leaves us with this season. So, you know, I, uh, I want to think a little bit more about uh, couple of things from the last five years you know the big thing is what was it like uh as a Sixers fan you know with everything happening with Ben Simmons the last year and a half and you know obviously he's an immense talent um I think that the structural fit for years between Simmons and Embiid had been discussed I wonder what your thoughts are on a couple of things one did management do a good job building a team around the two, understanding their limitations? And two, what was it really like, you know, being a Sixers fan, wanting probably to root for Simmons, but also seeing him sitting out, injuries, mental health issues. Like, what, what was it like being a Sixers fan? And when he was finally traded for James Harden, were you happy? Were you sad? Were you kind of neutral? What was it like for you? So if you want to start with uh, what was it like you know, do you think the team did a good job building around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, their prize possessions from the, the rebuild or from the process? Yeah, it's interesting question. Uh, I think for the most part, they did a pretty good job. Uh, if you think about some of the some of the, the people they surrounded Simmons and Embiid with, you have J.J. Redick, who's one of the best shooters of all time. Uh, you know, you had Seth Curry afterwards. Uh, Tobias Harris, who, uh, you know, he, he was a really, really solid shooter with the Clippers, and he, I thought he complemented the team pretty well. Um, Jimmy Butler was, he was a good fit. I, it, was, it was always challenging because uh, he had to have the ball in his hands, and that was, that was kind of the issue with him and Simmons. But I think Jimmy, if you add Jimmy Butler to pretty much any team, the team's going to get better. Um, I thought they did a good job. It was just kind of inherently challenging to pair Simmons with uh, Joel Embiid, given that they they both have to kind of uh, dominate the paint area. Um, you know, some were advocating that they should hold. You know, Matt, if, if you if you cut, if you listen to some of the experts, like Max Kellerman would always say that uh, they should keep Simmons and discard Embiid and just surround Simmons with shooters, kind of like Giannis. Uh, which I thought was crazy because he, he was basically saying we should give up Embiid, who's a generational talent. Uh, whereas others were saying, you know, you got got to get rid of Simmons and uh, really build a team around Embiid. But then there was always injury concerns with Embiid. Uh, so I think the Sixers did a reasonably good job. I think it's just I, th I think it's just challenging, and you know we're here now, and I think uh, maybe it's maybe it's for the best. Yeah. Do you think uh, when when Simmons was you know, after the Hawks series where, you know, he infamously didn't take the shot at the end of the game, pass it off to Tyrese Maxey, oh, sorry, to, uh, to Matisse Teibel, who eventually, you know, made only one out of two of the free throws. They ultimately end up losing that series. And then there was a whole drama afterwards of 
combination of being out for mental health, but also for back injury. He sat out for half of the season before he got traded. As a Sixers fan, like, how did that feel? Like, what was what was in your gut uh, during those during that time period? Where you know, yeah, it, it's really challenging. It, it's it, it was it was a huge distraction as a fan. As you know, you can only imagine what the what the players are going through. Uh, I think Embiid did a good job of feeding the team and refocusing them on winning games and not getting too bogged down in the Simmons drama. Uh, but no matter what you do, it's going to be tough when you have your star player sitting out for, for a variety of reasons and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, and he wants a trade, we want to trade him, but it's just so difficult to strike a deal given that his value was not, his value was, uh, was only decreasing the time, so it, it just you know, it was very difficult for, for Daryl Morey to pull the trigger and actually find a good deal. Uh, so I think when we, uh, when, when, uh, you know, it got out that Harden wanted out of, out of the nets, uh, you know, Harden, he's, he's getting older. He's, you know, he has, he has his hamstring injury. Uh, but I think it kind of just made sense from, from the six, from our perspective to try to acquire Harden, uh, by any means necessary especially given his history with Daryl Morey and the fact that he would pair so well, or we thought he would pair so well alongside Joel Embiid. Uh, we did give, a, give up a lot to get Harden uh, in terms of draft capital, but uh, I, you know, Embiid's window for when I think he's going to be healthy and really be at his peak, I think is only probably maybe two to four more years. So we're really in a win now situation. So I think going out and, and, and getting hardened was uh, at the end of the day is what we needed to do. Yeah, you know, when I look at it from the, an outside perspective, Simmons wasn't playing. So he was a net zero. He was just money taken up on the bench. Um, and of course, he was going through a lot of things and maybe his back injury was real. He ended up not playing at all for the Nets. I thought maybe once he got to the Nets, you know, he might sit out for a couple of games and then start playing, but he didn't. So maybe there's some truth to this back injury. Um, and James Harden plays. I, of course, he had his flame out this postseason where he didn't take, I think maybe he's like one shot the whole second half in the elimination game. Uh, but at least he plays. But there's a lot to look forward to for this team. I mean, the emergence last year, specifically of Tyrese Maxey, who I think, you know, for a short player and someone who maybe didn't have the hype as other young players in the league is amazing. I mean, he's doing it all. And People thought, including myself, that once James Harden got there, Maxi would take a nosedive in terms of efficiency, uh, in terms of having the ball in his hands, but he didn't. And that's one of the things I look forward to the season. As the currently constructed team, you know, one, James Harden maybe being skinny, two, what I think are the two biggest acquisitions this offseason is the addition of PJ Tucker and Daniel House. What do you think about this team's construction as it is right now? Yeah, so I think um, in typical Sixers fashion, we have a lot of things to be excited about uh, with the upcoming season. And I kind of think of it in, as you kind of mentioned, in three buckets. So the, uh, the new players, the returning players, and uh, timing. So with the new players, we were really lucky that Harden declined his uh, player option, $47.4 million player option. Uh, instead, he's now on a, a two-year, $68.6 million deal with the Sixers and um, with, with $33 million guaranteed for uh, the next year. 
So with that extra money, we were able to go out and sign PJ Tucker uh, using the non-taxpayer mid-level exception. We got him from the Heat, uh, along with Daniel House Jr. using the, uh, the biannual exception. So Tucker, if you look at him, he's, he's 37 years old. Uh, we're, he's on a three-year, $33 million contract. Did we overpay for him? Probably. Uh, but I think this is exactly what we needed. If you look at the play, if you look at how we uh, carried ourselves last year in the playoffs, the thing that the things that the Sixers lacked uh, were physicality, rebounding, tenacity. These are all things that Tucker brings. These are all holes that he can fill. He's also pretty good from three. Uh, he's relatively durable, even though he is 37. Um, and he's played with Hardy and more and uh, and and Daryl Morey before. Uh, in Houston. So we know that he can probably form, he, you know, we know that chemistry is probably there. And alongside uh, PJ Tucker, as you mentioned, Daniel House Jr., we got him for just a few million. He's a he's a solid defender. He's pretty good from three. Um, you know, he's a good two-way player. I think, I think we need more of these, uh, you know, our, I think our top three or top four are set, but we needed more, uh, uh, we needed more in the in the five through like seven spots. Yeah, we were lacking that depth that just kind of killed us in the playoffs. Um, apart from those two, we we recently we recently signed uh, Montrez Harrell. It's a backup center, which is a we got him for uh, you know in a, on a, a veterans minimum contract. He also played with Hardy with with Harden and Maury in Houston. Um, you know, back in the Clippers. He's really tough. He's gritty. He's going to be a great roller with Harden, I think. Um, I think the the biggest thing about this signing is the fact that we can use him quite a bit in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be super important to keep Embiid healthy and at, at you know peaking for the playoffs. And if Embiid is playing thirty five minutes a game in the regular season, there's no way he's going to be able to do that. Uh, so. Montrez Harrell will be great for the regular season. He'll be able to put in maybe like 10 to 15 minutes a game. And I think alongside Paul Reed, he'll be just a great backup center who's going to help us uh, you know, stay competitive in the regular season, win us games. Come playoff time, I don't necessarily think we should overuse him, like, <laughs> as, ha- as as happened with the, with the Clippers and um, Doc Rivers. But... Uh, I think for the regular season, he's he's very solid, and that'll help Embiid be healthy for the playoffs. And the last acquisition was De'Anthony Melton. We got him for Danny Green, the first rounder. He's pretty good value from from Memphis. So I think overall, we we really added to our depth. Uh, we got some solid two way players that teams can't pick on. These aren't star level talents, but they're solid acquisitions that I think will uh, fill some of the gaps that we were. Uh, some of our weaknesses, address some of our weaknesses. Uh, so the new players, I think, are the first reason to be excited about the Sixers. The second is the returning players. As you mentioned, Tyrese Maxey. To me, he is the, you know, everyone talks about Joel Embiid and, and uh, James Harden. To me, he is the most exciting returning player because he's starting his third season. Uh, he's young, he's incredibly hardworking. He brings this infectious enthusiasm to the locker room. If you look at him, he's always smiling. Yeah. Everywhere he goes, he's smiling. Uh, he's happy to be there, but he's never satisfied. Um, just from years one to two, he got so much better. His, his three-point shot went from 
30% to 43% just from rookie year to sophomore season. So I'm excited to see his growth for the upcoming year. And he's probably the person that benefited most from the fact that Ben Simmons wasn't playing because I think that gave him the keys to the ball because, you know, Joel Embiid is not going to bring it up the court. And I think that helped him gain a, gain a lot of confidence. I think that that's what was lacking. I think, you know, do I think he's like a 40-something percent shooter? Probably not. You know, there'll probably be some regression to the mean where he'll be in the high 30s. But he's someone who needs the volume. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that they would be smart to stagger his minutes somewhat with, with Harden so that each of them has some time with the offense. But, uh, but yeah, I agree with you. He's like very exciting, young, and uh, he makes, you know, I go into a couple of Sixers game this last regular season. He he brings a speed to the game that the Sixers were lacking sans Ben Simmons. You know, Ben Simmons was the guy who was like getting up and down the court and, you know, Joel Embiid being a seven footer doesn't get up and down the court as fast. But when you have Maxi, he's like pushing the pace of the game, which I think actually is really good for that team. Yeah, I agree completely, especially about the point. Uh, on his confidence. When Ben Simmons left, Maxi had to step up and he did step up, which was incredible. He he tried to be that guy in the playoffs because we don't really have a kind of a crunch time guy who's going to take the big shot. Uh, it's always challenging when your best player is a center because, yeah. you know, the last second shot, you can't always just just get just feed it to Embiid in the paint and have him do something. It's It gets very congested. Uh, so Maxi did try to take some of those shots. Uh, works sometimes. He's, I think he's, he's young, so he, he'll, he'll get better. Uh, but, uh, but I think I think the whole thing was great for his confidence. I'm hopeful that he can slowly grow to become that person, uh, like that Kevin Durant or that Jason Tatum, with the ball in his hands, with you know 10 seconds to go and you're down by one. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to see where he goes, where he, how much better he gets this season. Uh, of course, other returning players we didn't mention, Embiid, Harden, uh, always, you know, I think Embiid is, he's in his prime now. Uh, he feels, he feels chipped about not winning MVP the last you, two seasons. What do you think about that? Yeah, so as a Sixers fan, I uh, obviously would have loved to see him win MVP. Uh, but objectively, I think, I think uh, uh, Nikola probably deserved it both seasons. He's just a monster and his passing abilities are uh, are incredible. Uh, but, you know, I I think Embiid definitely thinks he deserves it. Yeah. I'm hopeful now that he's gone through this two seasons that he will realize that, and this is what I've heard, but I don't know if it's true, uh, that he's now going to be more focused on just doing whatever he can for the team and not necessarily for individual accolades. Uh, hopefully that might mean he, he's willing to play fewer minutes if it means, you know, he, he uh, stays fresher, allows Montrezl Harrell or Paul Reed to, to carry, carry things for, you know, maybe 15 minutes a game, 15, 20 minutes a game. Um, but yeah, I don't think he deserved to win MVP. <laughs> okay. Objectively. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then you were saying something about like, you know, the, the team, the time aspect of the team being together, which I think is a really underrepresented and important characteristics. Team stability is such a key aspect. And I think that's one of the reasons why, at least when we look at the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee and Boston have had so much success is because they have the same team coming year after year. And as you mentioned, you know, the Sixers haven't really had that stability over the past five years. So 
Do you think that that matters coming into this year? Definitely. You know, as we talked about the past five years, there's always been some some relatively major shifts, uh, acquisitions, uh, players leaving. All of these moves, you know, getting PJ Tucker, Daniel S. Jr., uh, Montres Harrell, uh, D'Anthony Melton, they were all made prior to the season starting and well in advance. Uh, so not halfway through, like the, like was the case with Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Harden last season. Uh, those were all halfway through the season, and as you know, it's really hard to uh, be a championship contender if your if your team is constantly changing throughout the season. You just never get into that rhythm. Uh, so I think the timing this season is certainly encouraging for me. Um, and you know, a lot of these players they're bringing in have previously worked with Harden in Houston. Uh, previously played for Daryl Morey. Uh, so I think that's also encouraging. It's not like they're starting fresh. There's at least some sort of chemistry there between the new players and, and some of the, the uh, uh, you know, Harden and some of the other players currently on the Sixers. Uh, there's also reports that Harden started uh, working on his conditioning earlier this offseason, which is interesting. We'll see how much that, that actually translates into success in the court, but uh, I think that can only be can only be a good thing. Yeah, I think uh, I think that the fact I would be very excited as a Sixers fan, um, particularly looking at Harden's commitment to himself for years being in Houston and even maybe with Brooklyn. It seemed like he was so focused on himself, like outside of work, and wasn't so focused on himself at work besides the personal accolades. I mean, of course, he's a chip on his shoulder, you know, because he came off the Oklahoma City bench, but he won MVP a couple of times. He was all, it seemed like he was all about his numbers. And two things that I think are really important is that one, he's working on his conditioning in the offseason. That means that he has a commitment to the team. And two, like you mentioned, he declined money that he could have had so that he could win he could bring in guys to win and he's been saying that all offseason he said you know my focus this year is on winning and maybe this is just a maturity and the fact that he can't any longer probably physically lead a team but i think him being skinny and him conditioning will hopefully avoid some of these soft tissue injuries which i think happen in my opinion based on folks that aren't well conditioned and then play in high conditioning situations so like if you haven't been running all offseason of course he's not not running but if he hasn't been training all offseason and then is playing NBA speed basketball, you're more likely to have hamstring injuries, you know, soft tissue injuries, strains and sprains and things like that. But if he's already commit, committed to his conditioning, I think that's the biggest plus that he can bring to the team is like, I'm ready to play. And it also sounds like he no longer wants to have the keys to the team. He's okay deferring to Embiid, which you can say is the first time he's willing to do that. Because I don't even know if he was really willing to do that in Brooklyn since he was with OKC the first time around. So we'll kind of have to see why, how that pans out. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect segue uh, to my biggest questions for the Sixers for the upcoming season. Biggest question I have, I think most people have, uh, is which version of Harden are we going to see? Start of the season, halfway through, and then in playoffs. His numbers last season with the Sixers, he put up 21 points per game. 10 and a half rebounds or 10 and a half assists and uh, seven rebounds, which is still pretty good, pretty good numbers for someone, uh, you know, who's 
who's kind of coming into the team and working their way into a new system. He's 33 years old. He knows that he's not as quick as before. Uh, he's, you know, he doesn't, he also knows that he doesn't have to be the man in Philadelphia. Uh, not only deferring to Embiid, but we'll see how, how Maxi looks this season, uh, especially in crunch time. So I, I'm optimistic for all the reasons you mentioned, his, his conditioning. I think the, the biggest thing with him was his groin injury over the past few years, and that really hampered him. Uh, hopefully, if he's, if he's training earlier, uh, really working on himself, then we can kind of minimize the risk of the groin injury getting worse and, and keeping him out later, in, later on in the season in the playoffs. Uh, the second question, let's assume that we all of our new additions uh, are are healthy. Embiid stays healthy. Harden um, uh, does as well, or similarly, the last year, or, or does as well or better than last year. Is all of this enough firepower to compete with the best in the East? I think so. You know, when I think about the best teams in the Eastern Conference, I think about, of course, Celtics, who were just there in the finals, and the Bucks before them. And one thing that's really important is health is never guaranteed on any of these teams. But when I look at teams that have the chance of winning a championship, I think the teams that have the best player on the court at any given time has the best chance. And I would take Embiid up there with any of those guys. You know, any player in the Eastern Conference stacked up against Embiid, of course, different positions. But, you know, Giannis, I would say Embiid is just right up there with him or you know, Jason Tatum, I'd say Embiid is right there with them. I, they may not be comp exactly comparable, but I think that's the one thing that the Sixers have. Now, like you said, it's going to be about the growth of Maxi and what Maxi can do this year and what James Harden's role ends up really being. But I really view them as definitely like a team that I think can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals for sure. Maybe the NBA Finals. And if we look back at it at the end of the season, like I wouldn't be 100% surprised if they won. If you look at Joel Embiid in the playoffs in multiple years, he's had kind of a freak injury. Like we think about Joel Embiid as someone who's always injured. But if you take out the first couple of seasons where he, you know, had the, had the Liz Frank and the foot injury, like you take that out. Um, he's for the most part been fine like he's never had like major major injuries uh you know knock on wood but something like an orbital fracture you don't expect that to happen again and so all. like i think that this team for who they are if they can they think that they have the personnel to compete with any team in the eastern conference that's my personal opinion what do you think yeah uh that's a good point you brought up about his injuries that they're kind of freak accidents it's not that he was necessarily totally out of shape and that's why he got injured um I think that they have their, at least in the past six years, this will be their second best roster after the Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris uh, year when they lost to the Raptors. I think this will be their second best roster. If they can stay healthy, if Harden is is as good or better than last year, and if Maxi just kind of continues that, that steady growth, I think that they can contend with the best in the East. Um, that being said, you know, if, if we had to go through Eastern Conference rankings right now, uh, would I have them at number one? Probably have the Celtics still, just given what they did last year in the second half of the year and got Malcolm Brogdon and they're only going to get better. 
so they are the I think they're the team to beat in the East, probably followed by the Bucks because they did take the Celtics to seven games without Middleton. Um, but I think the Sixers are right behind those two teams. I would put them at number three in the regular season at least. I think in the playoffs anything can happen. Yeah. You know, it's it's just it's it's completely about matchups and who's peaking at the right time, which team is healthy, uh, you know, if if chemistry is good. And I'll just say that we probably say this every year, and uh, and every year we're totally wrong, disappointed. But uh, the Nets, if if they can just figure out something there, you know, they have Simmons, Kyrie, KD, that should be enough to compete with with the other three teams in the East. Uh, so I would I would give the Nets a puncher's chance in the playoffs as well if they can figure it out in the regular season. Yeah, man, totally. I mean. Uh, the Nets could potentially, you know, when we look at this in the archives of NBA, this could potentially be the biggest what-if team if they can't figure it out. I mean, they've had, you know, two two MVPs, four if you include Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving as multiple-time all-star appearance guys. A lot of these people will probably, you know, maybe Ben Simmons, the jury's out, but the other three will probably make the Hall of Fame. Kyrie Irving has some of the most decisive moments in the NBA Finals. If they can just get their act together on the court, I think obviously they can beat anybody. But but it goes to speak to what you were saying, where chemistry actually matters and playing together time actually matters. And I think that's the one thing that the Nets have been lacking. Um, we'll see how that kind of works out this year. Uh, I think the jury on the Nets will be out halfway through the year. If they're struggling and guys are asking out, you kind of know where that direction is going. If they're crushing teams, then you kind of know where they're going to be coming to the playoffs. Uh, the the Sixers, I think, um, the regular season, I'm not too worried about their exact performance. As long as they can avoid getting into the play-in tournament where like any game matters, I think it really doesn't matter. I don't think they necessarily should target trying to get the best record possible. For exactly what you said, I think the health of James Harden and and Joel Embiid going into the playoffs matters so much, and they should take some time in like figuring out how the ball distribution is going to be between Maxi and Harden. I think Harden's first step, which was one of his most lethal things when he was on the Rockets, is kind of gone now. But that doesn't change that he's still an incredible passer and still like pretty incredible as a three-point shooter. So perhaps what really needs to happen is Maxi controls the ball as the point of attack and, you know, James Harden plays kind of that Draymond Green top of the key play. And I would love to see a little bit more like one, two pick and roll, James Harden putting a pick on for Maxi, because that's a nightmare for defenses, you know, because James Harden can flare to the three-point where he can easily make it. You can he can dive to the basket and then make like an amazing alley-oop to whoever is driving to the paint. Maxi's so fast, he can get, if the screen is not, if the, the screen man is not like, defender is not there, he can torch anybody, he can get to the basket. So I'm not too worried about the regular season, but I agree with you. The playoffs in the Eastern Conference are a completely different beast. We grew up in an era where the Western Conference was like, so Always good. dominant. Yeah, and so now good. We're flipping the script. Exactly. The uh, I yeah, I totally agree with you. What else are you? What are the other questions that you have for the Celtics? Uh, I mean, for the Sixers this year, do you have any more? 
No, I think those are the major questions. Uh, you know, which version of Harden, if this is enough firepower. Uh, of course, we're all interested to see how the new players fit in. Uh, and I think the, the first half of the season will, will give Doc Rivers a lot of time to figure it out, hopefully. And especially what you're saying with how, to, uh, how, how Maxi and Harden should share the ball, who should control it, how do they do this, how do they do that. Uh, I'm just looking forward to the season and seeing how they, if they figure it out and how far they go. Yeah. Do you, you know, as someone who's been a Sixers fan for a long, long time, you know, the iconic moments of Sixers history that I think about in more recent years, of course, is, well, and by recent, I mean 20 years ago now, but, you know, Allen Iverson dragging that team to the NBA Finals versus an overmatched Lakers team. Oh, that was unbelievable. Do you think that there could be that kind of magic for this team this year where, you know, obviously everyone kind of considers them middle of the pack, but one of the questions for James Harden his whole career has been, can he produce in the playoffs? Well, if he's not the number one option anymore, uh, can they capture that magic that I feel like has been lost? I feel like something happened during that Toronto Raptors series that kind of changed the fate of this team. And it felt like a lot of the magic from the Sixers was lost after that and all these bad things kept percolating. Now that this team has kind of been a little bit refreshed, do you think that, that we can recapture that magic? So I just want to say that that uh, Iverson team, 2000-2001, that's probably the most magical you can get. It's basically Iverson and it was like Eric Snow, Aaron McKee, it was like Matumbo. Matumbo, yeah. Oh my gosh, it was basically Iverson versus the entirety of the Lakers. Uh, that that was a thing of beauty to watch. I don't think we'll ever recreate that because we have we have a, just a, a deeper team, a better team now. Uh, but you're absolutely right with that with the Raptors with the with Kawhi Leonard shot uh, in Game Seven that did take away something some that that feeling that we were going to go all the way at some point. Uh, it, it, it really affected Joel Embiid. Uh, but it's we're several years later now. Uh, we have a very different team. We have Maxi, who's incredibly young, he's an incredibly exciting young star, and we have Harden, former MVP. Uh, I think we we have all the pieces. And one important thing about this season is that we're just right out the gate. We're not favorites to win at all. It's it's uh, the Celtics are the favorite. Either the Celtics or the Bucks are the favorites in the East. Uh, because we're not favorites, the pressure is off a little bit, especially off of James Harden. He's no one's expecting him to carry the Sixers. Uh, the Joel Embiid's still gonna have a ton of pressure on him, but uh, with Harden not being not having the pressure and the Sixers not being. Uh, the the apps of the favorites, I think we can surprise teams, and if we do that, then we can hopefully recreate a little bit of that magic. Yeah, man, I look forward to it. And the last question I have is, if at this moment you look back at the process, which you know you can argue that a lot of other teams are trying to do the same thing, whether it's through you know draft pick acquisitions or like Oklahoma City, you know, objectively tries to tank the second half of the year. If you look back at the if you look back at the process and you take a look at, you know, first and third overall picks in that you had, I think Mike, Michael Carter Williams got like a uh, rookie of the year in there. Um, but then you also had some misses uh, with, with Boston trade and eventually getting Markel Folk. 
If you had to make a decision right now, would you say that the process was a success or do you think they should have continued to try to rebuild like most other teams rebuild? Uh, I think it's too soon to say. No, I'm just kidding. It's been years. Um, I, I don't know. I think uh, it, it's... We, we got exactly what we wanted in terms of the draft capital. Uh, if we had just taken... It's really easy to say now, but... We, we did get Ben Simmons instead of Jalen Brown, and we did get Markel Fultz instead of Jason Tatum. So I think that kind of answers your question. Yeah, yeah. Just chosen a little bit more wisely, we it would be a very different situation. It would be a very different NBA. Uh, but you, we made the picks we made. Can't go back. I, I still like the position we're in. We're, I think we're, we're in a solid number three in the regular season with the potential to surprise people in the playoffs. Uh, if we do... No one would have expected the Sixers to come out, so I think it'll make it that much more exciting. Uh, so I think the process, kind of answer your question, the process did work. We there were a lot of miss, there were several missteps along the way uh, with the whole Brian Colangelo disaster and uh, you know man, leadership change. Uh, but I like the position we're in now. Good, man. I, I think the Sixers are one of the more exciting teams in the NBA. I do look forward to seeing how they come out of the gate um, as one of the teams that has some continuity. And then, like you said, what the new players do. Um, we'll kind of check in probably at least somewhat into the season, see how they're doing. And selfishly, I want them to do well and get to the playoffs because, you know, we went to a playoff game last year. We went to the elimination game where they played the, the Wizards, sorry, a year and a half ago now, so two seasons ago. I think the, the the arena is electric. I mean, it's fun watching Sixers basketball in the playoffs. So I do hope that they have some more success and maybe we can catch another uh, Sixers playoff game this upcoming season. would absolutely love that. Sounds all right, great. guys. That's all we have for this time. Um, see you all next time. I want to give a shout out to our producer, Sandeep, and to let all the listeners know to help us out and follow us on Instagram at bsjpod and on Twitter as well at BSJPod. You can also find all our episodes uploaded onto our website at www.bsjpod.com. Thank you.